All right. Hey, welcome in. Good afternoon, Mizzou fans. This is uh, the live show before the commitment we're expecting tonight. Expect some basketball news here in a couple hours with Marcus Allen ready to make an announcement. But we wanted to do a live show with my best friend and your best friend, uh, at least for the last two weeks and at least for the next seven days till we, we see what hope. happens. Yeah. Yeah, Clint, Clint Cosgrove, Rifles Midwest analyst, joining us. And uh, want to invite you guys if you got questions, if you got comments, if you just want to throw us a few bucks, like Jared just did, put that in the, the comments section, and we will uh, we will get to them. But we're going to talk uh, a little bit of Mizzou recruiting. It's uh, it's been wild times around here, Clint. Uh, you kind of kind of kicked it off about ten days ago with I. Now you tell me if I am misrepresenting this with a rock solid 100% guarantee that Williams Winery is committing to Missouri. That's how you, that's how you phrased it. Correct. Yeah. Uh, if you can 100% guarantee me witness protection. Yeah, we'll go with that. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go to the hundred, the hundred percent yet, but I feel, I still feel pretty good about it. It'll, uh, I think there's a couple things that could happen in the next week, but yeah, no, I, I think, I think it's trending in the right direction. Well, and that's the the wild thing, right? I mean, it seems crazy to me. This this recruitment has taken up so much oxygen and, and so much of my time over the last month that there's still a week left. And like, do you find you're talking to more of these probably big time national kids than than I do? But like, seven days is a long time in the age of NIL, man. Like, do do you think cha things change last minute more now than they did before NIL was like? I mean, not that money's ever been a part of, of recruiting before, right? But before it became yeah. legal, like, do you think it's different now than it used to be? Um, I think that people can come to the table with a real offer last second, whereas in the past, you know, uh, guys are walking home from practice and there's a guy sitting outside in the car and like, hey, uh, you left this bag over here. And so I don't know if you see as many, you know, uh, you, you couldn't get like last second pitches in as far as NIL went. You can now. Um, and that can really go all the way up until signing day. So uh, I, I do I do think it happened. But I mean, my dad talks about stories back in the day where it was signing day and he would go and park outside of a house at like 430 in the morning. And he's got the, the letter of intent right there with him and uh, just waiting to see if another school shows up. And he's going to be the first one to the door. So um, I think people uh, every now and then someone get bamboozled and signed the wrong paper back in the day. But um, right. yeah, I, I think we see more and more of it just because the globalization of what I call it of recruiting. Uh, everybody has a, a way to get in touch with somebody. Everybody has something to dangle in front of them. And uh, it's no different than, I guess, like, you know, those dating websites, people have all these options and, uh, you know, it gets thrown in front of them. And when you uh, have a lot to choose from, sometimes it can cloudy things until the very end when you're forced to make a decision. So, yeah, I, I think it has over the years um, and it'll continue to develop and evolve. But there's always been a little bit of that where uh, we sent out. I remember when I was coaching, we would send out a letter of intent and we'd just sit there and wait. Are they going to come through the fax mm -hmm. machine? And then sometimes they didn't. Sometimes we got a call from the mom and they're like, yo, he wants to come there, but sorry, he just can't. Yeah. Somebody else is helping us. And so, yeah, uh, things are a little a bit of above water now compared to how they used yeah. to be. But um, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's always gotten interesting as things wind down for a long time. So, so as much as people think that your job is actually just to sit around and predict where 17 year olds are going to go, like, Look, you evaluate these kids and and you were one of the first guys that that saw 
Williams Winery as like, hang on, this kid is, he's not just another guy. Like this kid is something different. So can you kind of let people know like when you saw him and kind of what your first impressions were and, and how much, you know, that, that evolved over the last year or two? Yeah. So uh, when I first went there, you know, I, I really liked him. I thought he was raw, little mechanical, and that's how these kids who grow really early are. Um, so then I head down to Lee Summit and I'm over at practice, start talking to Coach Mosey. And, you know, at the time I, going into it, I thought Williams was in the 240 range. He was already at 255 back then. And then I saw his burst off the line and you could see him growing into his frame and just like the body control was coming around. And, and that's the big thing that really separates him. Uh, athleticism, yes, but his ability with his length and levers and to just be able to naturally play with Ben, to naturally explode off the ball and then be able to make sudden movements without having to readjust. So when I say that, like a lot of guys were young tall, long, they haven't grown in, grown into their frames yet. That's why you see a guy like Lucas Van Ness, who isn't recruited by everybody. All of a sudden he grows into that frame, becomes a freak. He's a first round draft pick. Um, Williams is, is different in the sense that he's been doing it for so little time. This is something that I found out, you know, when I was at practice, the kid, they found him in like the lunchroom or something. So um, he wasn't a football player. And so to come as far as he had come at that point, and that was at the beginning of last season. So like last September, I really, you know, the trip was to see Caden Green and some other guys in St. Louis or in, in Kansas City. And then, you know, Williams was a guy that I, I thought had a lot of upside, but then just seeing him in practice and the way he moved and explosiveness and the way he could use his hands already and how he was downright dominant and just more athletic than even some of the high-end skill kids they had on the team. It really spoke a lot to me. And at that point I was like, if he's as good as I think he can be, if he develops the way that coach Mosey and, and, and I think he can, um, he's got a chance to be big, big time. Um, now looking back at it, he's probably that and more. Um, I thought he would be a five-star back then. Uh, I think, you know, in some classes he'd be the number one player in the nation. This year, I think he's a kid, if everything pans out, he could be the number one pick in the draft. He's that talented. He has that much physical ability and he has that much athletic ability. He's just really the complete package. And um, and to just be learning the game, you just don't see that. It's very similar to Justin Scott almost in that sense. He never played varsity football until his sophomore year. You get COVID mixed in. And so these kids are a little different. They're built a little different and their upside is just phenomenal. Yeah, when I talked to Jamar Mosey this weekend, he said, you know, he's, he reminds me of Julius Peppers, but he might be bigger than Julius Peppers was in college. So, you know, that's 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 not terrible. So I just kind of want your read on, because three, four months ago, I, he really wasn't on my radar. Uh, just following yeah. that I think are coming to Missouri. I mean, like, obviously I knew who he was and stuff like that, but yeah. Thinking Tennessee, Georgia, you know, Oklahoma, and Missouri didn't really seem to be a major factor that got him in for an official in June. And now all of a sudden is I, I know you think the leader, I think the leader, but certainly right in it, no matter who you talk to. So when when did you kind of get a sense like, hey, this might be changing? Well, I remember a conversation we had because I had heard some rumblings that things were starting to change. And, you know, when I was there visiting, he was wide open and uh, Oklahoma had just offered. He was he was pretty high on Oklahoma, obviously, with the connections there, with the teammate going there. Um, so they were up there. You know, I really thought when Georgia was in the mix, I thought that that would be for a long time where he would end up. 
Then I thought it was a Georgia, Oklahoma battle. Then you get a little Oregon sprinkled in. But as these recruitments evolve and develop and you talk to people, you know, Williams is one of those guys when it first started, we would talk, we would text, we would, you know, uh, a lot of people think, uh, you know, see me as some sort of outsider because I don't directly cover, you know, Missouri, Georgia or uh, or Oklahoma. But what they don't know is, you know, my dad recruited the state for 40 years. I recruited it as Mm -hmm. a college coach. I scouted it for years. Like I'm pretty I've been plugged in there for a long time. You know, at Oklahoma, I DA'd for Ted Roof. Uh, you know, at Missouri, I've got friends on that staff, my old roommates on that staff. So uh, those guys haven't been too forthcoming, uh, the ones that I have right. talked to, to be completely honest. Um, but it's just the feel that I got when you start piecing everything together. You talk to anybody, you know, I'll talk to anybody from a, an agent to a trainer to an NFL GM throughout the week or you know a lot of college coaches whatever it is and you're constantly building these little bits of information and putting puzzles together um a lot of people think the future cast like for me i don't do a ton of them uh which they probably would like me to do more and um it's just once i know a kid's going somewhere i especially if they're from my region especially if i'm going to film a commitment interview with them it's it it puts me in a weird position like there's times Mm -hmm. like maybe five six of my missed future cast i'm filming the uh the commitment video with the kid the next you know he's committing to a different school the next day but i'm not going to change it it's not about me it's it's about their moment so but no just piecing things together and then you talk to different people you talk to different staffs uh you talk to people in the area you talk to recruits that are connected with recruits that have pointed you in the right direction a lot of the time and you start piecing it together and i saw the direction it was going and so when i made that future cast i had just gotten off a phone call that made me say, you know what? The tides are turning. I don't know if they have yet. I see what's mm-hmm. about to happen. And and those things have started to come to fruition. And then the more I've talked to people, the more I've asked around, the more it has leaned that direction. Now, this could go any any of ways. You know, Georgia right now, they, uh, they lost out on a big-time guy that was a big-time NIL guy for them yesterday. That could free up a lot of money. Maybe they want to throw it at a future potential number one draft pick. You know, you never know what's Mm going to happen. And that's kind of like what you mentioned earlier. And even the decision, even whatever he announces uh, on decision day, their schools aren't giving up. (laughs) They're not giving up. No, there might be a school who's not even in it right now who all of a sudden swoops in at the end. That's how these things go nowadays. And um, you know, it's, it's finding the pain points of a player. What's important to that. You know, I think a big thing that helps, and I'm, and I'm not saying Williams recruitment is all about NIL. Um, but you know, most top hundred players, top 50 players, top 25 players, they have to consider that money when they're, when they're looking at the situation, mm-hmm. what Missouri did with that, that law that allows them to get paid early. Um, you know, it might not really be a long-term fix, but to get guys in the door, I think that's an almost instant fix. You know, when you can get that money right away, especially if you're not graduating early, um, you can invest that, you can get insurance policies. People don't realize what you can do with that. And then you're not locked in over time. You know, you give it a chance, you get there. I don't like it. I can leave. You know, my recruitment starts over and that's the good and the bad that comes with it, I guess. So, uh, very interesting recruitment, as are many of them right now. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I still feel very strong. I feel stronger than I did when I put in the future cast for Williams to to Missouri. Uh, I know I've gotten a lot of flack from certain fan bases, which is fine. It comes with the territory. Um, but uh, this isn't just 
some desk that I threw against the wall. There's a reason that you're hearing more and more about it since I put in that future cast. And I think it's going to continue to trend that way. When you said this law may not be a long-term fix for NIL, nothing's a long-term fix because the only thing we know is it's going to look completely different in like a year and a half. We just don't yeah. know how. Um, look, there's a, there's a couple other kids that obviously Mizzou fans are are super interested in. I, honestly, I mean, Williams is announcing next Monday, but Sunday night, Jeremiah McClellan is, is announcing his commitment. Um, it's been like I would refer to this as the Winery commitment light. Like there has been some momentum toward Missouri lately. It doesn't feel like as much. I have said on our board, you tell me what you think of this. I think Missouri's best chance to actually end up getting Jeremiah McClellan might not be on Sunday when he announces, but might be down the road if the season goes well and they can close on Winery, they can close on Ryan Wingo and stay in touch with him and sell him on some of this in-state NIL stuff. Maybe he commits elsewhere this weekend, but that doesn't mean Missouri's necessarily out of it. What do you think of that, uh, that kind of theory? I think you're spot on. Uh, I would have told you three weeks ago, four weeks ago, absolutely no chance. Um, mm. he, he's got a lot of respect for the Missouri staff. Uh, he has a lot of respect for his home state. Um, you know, he's got a lot of respect for Luther Burden and guys on those team on that team. Uh, but, you know, for a long time, you know, Ohio State has been, I think, you know, there's been a bunch of schools. There's been LSU. You've got, uh, you know, connections there from St. Louis, uh, Oregon. You know, they're always going to be in play for a big time player. Um, you know, but Ohio State has been the one to me that really stood out to him and something that he wanted to be a part of. Uh, it was about the development, about the players that he uh, knows there, what he's seen has happened. He's connected with the receivers there. So um, I think Ohio State is probably the odds-on favorite come announcement. Now, when he made that decision to announce, he texts me. He goes, he said the date. He goes, put it out. And I knew if I didn't put it out right away, somebody else was right. going to. So I had to. He had no clue that Williams was going to do it the next day. So that is yeah. total coincidence for people who are looking into that. There's, there's a, they're, they're totally individual uh, recruitments, individual commitments that did not play a part in each other's dates. Now, from talking to Jeremiah, and I've known Jeremiah since he was a freshman, um, and I've known his dad and his little brother, and you know, just great people. Uh, you know, I do think Missouri has started to make an impression. I do think he could start seeing himself maybe end up there, whereas in the past that wasn't the case. So I don't know if it's just the, you know, the the direction that his friends are trending in, in Wingo and, and Williams, or if it's, you know, uh, maybe he does want to stay closer to home. I don't know what it is. His dad played at Kansas State. You know, they were never really a player. So you never know what makes a kid tick. And players of his magnitude, uh, of all these guys' magnitude, their recruitment is not over until they sign on the dotted line. And then nowadays it's open another two years. You know, that's just the yeah. way it is. And so, uh, yeah, I, I could see McClellan. I think the best chance is long-term he ends up at Missouri. I don't know if that's going to be the, the announcement on Sunday. And then the, the third one, Ryan Wingo, um, I put in a, a prediction for him yesterday. Look, it's four months away, right? A lot of things can happen in four months, but my read on Wingo has been of these three guys, like if you just project it out, I think they're in the best shape with him out of these three. Um, it, it it seems to me that, you know, it's Missouri and Texas. I 
it seems to be the consensus. And I think if Missouri has a representative season, I think they're in really good shape with this kid. Um, but hey, four months a long time, and and anything that happens between now and then, like it could change everything with Ryan Wingo and with literally anyone else on the board. Yeah, it really could. Um, the thing that's interesting is all three of these guys are going to get <laughs> recruited until the very last mm -hmm. day. Only one of them is announcing later. So uh, I, you know, I I had a, a piece where I did top five on uh, committed players and predicted where, where they were going. I had McClellan committing to Ohio State. I had Wingo committing to Missouri. I have not put in a future cast just because of the length, uh, you know, or distance and time between now and when he is announcing. Uh, I thought Texas was really trending for him. But again, you dig a little deeper. You talk to players. You talk to recruits. You learn the pain points. I've, I've known him since and heard about him since he was a middle schooler, you know, recruited his older brother. My dad recruited his older brother, um, you know, and just so uh, – I, I just see Missouri being a real, real player here. Um, yeah. I know from talking to other recruits that, uh, you know, he's kind of asked around it, you know, any, any of the other guys considering Missouri, you know, and, right. and so you kind of put the dots together and then you look at the way they're recruiting him, the connections that, you know, he has had and seeing what, <laughs> you know, people have seen Luther do and what he can do and what Dominic Lovett did last year. And, being that hometown hero and being a guy who could have a bag of chips, you know, uh, while he's still in high school, uh, you know, and, and his, he's close with his family. He, he's yeah. close with his family. And, and that says a lot. Texas is, is a far ways away. Texas A&M. I know they're, they're always a player. Um, you know, people have said that Tennessee at one point, uh, you know, I do not think that will be it. Uh, I, I do think it, this is a Missouri Texas race for the time being. And I do have, Right now, if I had to make a prediction, had to put in a future cast, I would follow your lead, Gabe, and I, I would I would put it in for Missouri. All right. So I uh, want to finish up with just kind of a couple of quick hitters we've gotten here from, from people watching. Uh, is there validity to the idea that Wingo is monitoring Williams' commitment and he's more likely to commit if he does? I mean, look, this is not specific to Ryan Wingo and Williams Winery. Good players want to play with other good players, right? Yeah. If if Missouri gets the number three player in the country, who some people have as the number one player in the country on Monday night, that doesn't just impact Ryan Wingo. That that makes an impression on everybody that's thinking about Missouri. No question. If if the very best are going to go to a destination that's in your home state or not your home state, and you have a connection, a relationship, yeah, that's intriguing. It, yeah. Are they building something there? What is making this player who is so elite when I'm an elite player, what made him say, you know what, that's the place for me. You know, maybe I'm wrong. I'm thinking as a recruit, maybe I'm wrong with my assessment of that program. So it does make you think a little extra. Um, I don't think the commitment of either Jeremiah or Williams would necessarily say for Wingo, oh, that seals the deal I'm in. But, you know, those relationships do matter. And those are kind of like the three amigos in Missouri right now. And if uh, two of them go somewhere, you know, it gives you a little to think about. And even if you do end up somewhere, signing somewhere else, you're still going to have that in the back of your mind all the way till signing day. And maybe right until you put that pen on the paper, am I making the right decision? Am I making the decision for the right reason? Is this the best fit for me? Is this what I want? And they're going to have those guys in their ear, no matter where they go. Uh, 
you know, if Wingo goes to Texas, you know, McClellan's not really in on the Texas thing, but you know, you, you better believe he's going to try to recruit him to Texas, whether Texas is recruiting him or not. And, and that's just the, the way these things work. Relationships matter. And that's why they matter with players. They matter with coaches They matter with recruits. And uh, yeah, there's just so many variables. It's, it's hard to say, but I do think it matters. Kyle wants to know if Lanary has the ability to start as a true freshman. I would just say in the era of the free transfer and NIL, a kid of that caliber does not go somewhere to not have every opportunity to start as a true freshman, right? I mean, he would, it, like the word redshirt would not be allowed to be used in a discussion with him. Oh, absolutely not. Um, and he is talented enough, even if he's not ready, you can put him on the field and you're probably better than you were before him even if he's not ready. It's different than the quarterback position where you say, you know what, we put a guy on the field, things don't go well, he gets hurt, loses his confidence. You know, that's a different deal. With a defensive lineman who we know, and especially Williams, who can play, he can play the edge, anyway. he can play three technique, you can line him up over center, you can play him standing up, he can literally play anywhere. So at the very least, they're going to have a package for him where he is going to be able to make an impact. And if he only has – and if package is rushing the passer on third, I feel bad for those quarterbacks because they're going to find a way to get him to the passer. So, yes, he's an immediate impact guy 100% if he goes to Missouri. Uh, if not an every-down starter, there will be a package, and he will make an impact in some form or fashion. Uh, this kind of ties into what I wanted to finish up with you on, uh, KE asks if you've already been uh, checking in on, on Jackson Cantwell, he, he kind of seems to be the next big thing. So just a quick thought on him and, and is there a kid, you know, in the 2025 class in this state that, that you've kind of looked at and said, Hey, that that's the guy that, that you need to really be paying attention to the next 12 months. Well, the guy in 2026 for me is Jackson Cantwell. And that's regardless mm -hmm. almost of, you know, state, uh, he, you know, you look at the genetic profile, I don't think that people realize both of his parents might be world champions and Olympians. I know at least once mm -hmm. of them, one of them is as a thrower. So that's the genetic profile. Then he's six, eight, three something. He can move. He's already, uh, you know, there's a chance he could be a future world championship qualifier in uh, the shot put and disc. Like he's that level of athlete. And then he's also mature beyond his years. I've been talking to Jackson. First time I talked to him was probably at the end of season. Uh, we talked last week, uh, right before he went to Georgia, right after he got his Alabama offer. Big time player, big time upside, has a chance to be a top five player in the nation. Uh, you know, he has a chance to be as good as he wants to be. And I think he wants to be very good. And uh, he's a hard worker. He loves football, you know, track will take some time from him, but he's just such a natural athlete. And that genetic profile, when you have two world champion caliber parents, people don't realize how how rare a world champion caliber in anything is. Uh, he's got special ups, upside, special gifts, and he's, he's a phenomenal kid too. And what he put on film as a freshman is, is pretty impressive. I, I got to get out and see him this year. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. other guys. <laughs> 25s, uh, you know, 25s looking pretty good. I know Car Carson Boyd, uh, you guys had an interview with him recently. You know, he's on the shorter side, but he can slang it. He can run. Uh, very heady player. Very good player. His dad's a coach. Uh, you know, a kid who transferred in from East St. Louis that is a name to watch. I don't know if Missouri's offered him. He only has a couple offers, but DJ Miller. 
Uh, big receiver from East St. Louis, transferred into Cardinal Ritter. Kid has a chance to be very special. I'm very high on him. Uh, tremendous upside. You know, you got Jamarian Parker over there, Antonio Parker over there. Uh, you got Corey Sims at CBC. Yosa Epinesa, who, and I'm probably butchering his name. I know I got killed for <laughs> butchering William's name, which meant I knew nothing about him. But, um, right. yeah, uh, you know, he's he's probably an Iowa lean, just knowing the lineage and everything like right. that. Um, and then in 26, there's another kid over at uh, Cardinal Ritter, another receiver, Elijah Lucas, who's got a chance to be special. And then you got Keenan Harris over at SLU, uh, who I believe does have a Missouri offer. So there's there's some good talent. Um, I see at least one to three five stars in that 25-26 class out of Missouri. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think a lot what happens in this recruiting class and this season will determine how that plays out as well. Yeah. All right. So we, we want to finish you up with a fun one. This answer might change next to next Monday night about seven o'clock. But which fan base currently gives you the most flack on social media? Oof. For a long time, it was probably Tennessee or Michigan State. Uh, I've gotten a, a little Oklahoma lately. Uh, Georgia hasn't been too bad. Uh, you know what the funny thing is? When I first started this job, I was I was I was behind the scenes. I was scouting for eight years. I was used to it when I was coaching. didn't Didn't bother me one bit. I didn't have time to read it. Then when you go into the media, you have no choice but to read it. Um, and then. I got to the point where it was affecting me mentally and I just said, I'm going to, I'm going to shut it all out. So to be honest, I try to stay off the boards as much as I can, <laughs> but unless I have, you know, legitimate things to discuss, I love, I love going on the boards. I just hate when, uh, when things turn bad on me. So uh, yeah, no, you, you try to ignore it both good and bad, but I, I cannot lie. The Missouri love has, has given me a lot to chuckle about my family. The group text is lit with my friends because they tell me about it. Um, so it, it, it has been fun dealing with the Missouri fans. I got to tell you that I did not realize how strong their presence was on social media. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's a passionate group for sure. Well, someone on here has asked for you to be mayor of Columbia. So, uh, we'll, we'll see if that happens. Um, but, uh, Sunday and know, Monday. Be, <laughs> right. Be, be nice to Clint either way, whatever happens, but, uh, seriously, man, appreciate it. Uh, thanks for taking the time. I know a lot of Missouri fans have been wanting to hear from you and, uh, and I know you're busy, but thanks for, uh, thanks for hanging out. No, nah, I love coming on. Uh, it's been a while, man. Uh, I'll, I'll come back whenever. Yeah, it has. I, all I love talking all that needs to happen is Missouri needs to be on the edge of like one of the biggest recruiting weeks in school history. And we have you on the podcast, man. That's how it works. Well, I might, I might not be able to come on if uh, things don't go the way <laughs> that uh, the future guests suggest. Uh, but for those that are wondering, I, I have nothing. Uh, I have no plans in changing that right now. And even if I find out right before, uh, I, I'm sticking with it. So. All right. Well, Clint is committed to the end. I've still got a couple of days to decide what, whether I want to uh, put myself out there on that one. But appreciate all you guys watching. Uh, if you watched live, hit the, the like button, subscribe to the channel, all that. If you listen to the podcast afterwards, just say really nice things to us on social media and leave us a good rating. So uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you.